0: Vaxed and feeling pretty good that's right vaxxed and relaxed
1: well that's how I'm feeling
0: vaxxed and relaxed oh that's perfect that was right there I was like fully vaxxed and, uh, and, and feeling good like couldn't make it can make it lyrical like you did
1: mm. fully vaxxed and overtaxed no I don't know I don't know there's only so many acts Fully vaxxed and throw in an axe. I there, there's, there's <laughs> we've got to get on, on Rhyme Zone or whatever that website is and figure something out.
0: I wonder if the local axe throwing places like completely Went did not like, <laughs> like, like ate it during the quarantine.
1: I mean, it was going to happen eventually. I don't know how many uh, axe throwing establishments one economy can sustain before people start mm. to realize that you can drink beer and throw axes in the woods for
0: free that is well as minus the cost of beer and axes but yeah i mean uh, an axe especially if you keep it sharp is a is a lifelong uh, investment and for many other things other than fun hey everybody welcome to elwood city limits (laughs) the episodic arthur podcast number one
1: axe podcast online
0: pod axe online (laughs) uh (laughs) I'm Will Young, and Lucas Mancini is my co-host. Yes, as we mentioned uh, last Elbert City Limits episode, we are both fully vaxxed uh unfortunately uh lucas i i, I mean I, th- I think it's safe to say you were a bit more waylaid yes by your second shot than i was i had the
1: pfizer moderna mix which uh ended oh. up with uh, apparently better long-term protection but also a really really rough day after day where i had like three fevers but uh i'm i'm feeling great now it's all over um and i'm nice and safe from
0: the novel coronavirus well, here's the problem. You, I think you went the wrong way because you know what they say: Moderna before Pfizer, never been wiser. <laughs> Pfizer before Moderna, you're gonna turn a different shade. <gasps> well, I hope it's darker. I've been working on my tan. Hmm. I, I was thinking more green, but yeah. Oh. Um. You were you were com- you were comforted during your fe- one of your many fevers, uh, and by your cat. I saw. Yes. And uh, as we saw on the elwood city limits patreon discord but unfortunately it left us a little bit of a gap in the schedule which we will uh talk to you about uh a bit later because it mostly just affected our patrons and we're here with uh another free elwood city limits episode i managed to just completely tank mine that's a nice little thing of having a very um I'll I'll be generous and say hearty body is that if you drink enough water and if you sleep enough then you can kind of just get away with very mild symptoms. You Lucas you and my wife Jenna were not quite so lucky. Mm. So, yeah, we're going to get into this episode of ECL a little bit quicker than normal. We actually don't have any emails this week. Uh, That would be over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. If you would, indeed, like to send in uh, an email, I just want to give a quick shout-out because this is something we haven't done in a little while. Um, I wanted to thank a person who gave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and that would be Mighty Gabo. And they were quite complimentary. Thank you very much, Mighty Gabbo, with the review. Jacob Katz and Ellen Bogan wishes he founded the ECL podcast, and I'd like to think that that's true. Um, also, I don't remember if we said there was another another positive review from uh, I believe it was either early or late last year. It was uh, early last year uh, from Buffy Girl Forty Seven. I don't. It's. Uh, tracking down iTunes, excuse me, Apple Podcast reviews is a little tough sometimes. So I it's apologize true. again. If you've left us a nice review, um, feel free to let us know about it, and uh, even screenshot the review just so that we can uh, shout you out on the podcast. That's really nice of you,
1: especially if you're is- uh, especially if you're American. I don't think we get like th- th- there's a different Apple Podcasts like reviews that's right for, yes if you're in canada or if you're in america so i don't know if we have in- access to the american reviews or what but if you sent us a nice if you sent us some some nice words let us know
0: in fact uh thanks to the service that i'm using uh, it, this is from the united states of america uh itunes so we wouldn't have been able to see that on our local one so thank you very much and apologize apologies for anyone that we've missed who has given us a nice review um, and has been outside of our region. Like I'm seeing one that was within the last couple of years that was in Australia. So I'm, uh, I'm terribly sorry that we, uh, We didn't get to you sooner, but unfortunately, we can only see the ones that are from Canada. Again, this is a great reason that if you ever leave us a good review, if you are a U.S. listener, an Australia listener, which is nice to know that we have them, uh, perhaps Great Britain, Irish, Scottish, uh, practically anywhere that is in Canada, uh, leave us a screenshot. uh, Just send it to us, and that'd be great. Uh, In perusing these Apple podcast reviews, they're mainly Apple podcasts, um I forgot that we uh, we also got our first uh one star review. Ooh um, the last haters. year.
1: Was it was it um was it Mike? He, got, you he know, got mad at us for firing him?
0: I'm not willing to say whether or not, whether it was Mike or not. And I and I and I won't say the name of the person. Just so, like I don't want to sound like I'm flaming them, but I feel they're a little confused. This was uh back in 2019. This is a US review. So Uh, probably why we um, didn't see it. Uh, The review is called Bad Move uh, and I will quote here. Boo to episode that special someone. Angry face, angry face, angry face, angry face. I love the show, but my mom won't let me watch it anymore because of this episode. Bad move, guys. So I feel that the person who sent us that is a little bit confused as to uh, this podcast's relationship with the television show Arthur. Uh. We don't um, in case anybody was wondering, um, we don't make the show. We don't write for the show. Um, we have no creative input on the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we weren't responsible for this episode that I'm guessing they're referring to Mr. Ratburn, the special someone and their mom not letting them watch them because of the gay rat wedding. God forbid. Well, well speak so for yourself, we, we, Will,
1: because I actually am in regular mail correspondence with um, all of the writers and animators behind the show, Arthur. Um, really? And and they take all of my feedback. Um, oh my gosh! So much. So yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. So
0: are you saying? Are you saying right now it was you who decided to end Arthur? Uh, I
1: can neither confirm. Uh, yeah, actually, you know what? I, I I'll admit it. I'll admit it. I was like, you know what? I can't do the show with uh, Will forever um i got a life i got to get back to Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. uh i wrote the arthur creators and i said yeah you guys got to end arthur uh just specifically so i have to record less podcast episodes
0: you know what i actually kind of appreciate that i hate when (laughs) i hate when things go on indefinitely i do uh want a natural end to all of this so in a way i distantly appreciate that There you go. So uh, we allegedly have uh, we we I we both publicly have no ties and privately have every single tie you can think of Mm -hmm. to the Arthur creative process. We're the puppet
1: masters pulling the strings.
0: Yeah. Anyway, thank you, everybody, for the wonderful reviews all across. I mean, we've gotten some lovely ones on Facebook. We've gotten some cool endorsements on social media and, of course, through Apple podcasts and other services. We really appreciate that. It helps uh, other people find the show, which is uh, what we would want to do. And, of course, also want to give a big thanks to our patrons over at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, they certainly are, I, I always want to say, they help keep the show going, which is true. But they certainly help the uh, supplementary show for the kids, the PBS Kids podcast going, which was uh, slightly interrupted last week uh, because of uh, second shot woes. But we have got some really cool Patreon stuff coming, and we'll talk about that near the end of the show. But all the same, we want to thank people like Veronica Ch- uh, Trum, Gabby S, Sydney Long, Kevazard Edits, Emmy the Ghost, Valeria, Daniel Uptograph, Christine Cody, Yoshi, and Andrew Power, who recently got some great news. Congratulations, Andrew! And thank you, Matt, Rachel Pearson, Aaron DeFilippo, and oh, let's say Kevin Noon. Thanks, everybody. Really appreciate you. Patreon.com/slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, it's going to be popping over there real soon, and we'll tell you all about that after we talk about this episode of Arthur. Um, we're starting off with a Fern episode. Like I was literally thinking the other day. Man, I hope we get a Fern episode before the end of the season. And here we go. War of the worms. But it seems that Fern, the ever ever the, the consummate storyteller who is trying to tell a story about an intrepid explorer running into a giant ape, is going to be waylaid this episode by our favorite character, Lucas. Yeah. The Brain.
1: Yeah, the Brain at his most, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, oh, the round robot would have sunk in the sand. Oh, a, a, a spaceship couldn't take off like that. Oh, blah, 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 blah. blah. Oh, you could never have a giant talking monkey. Um, we get the brain uh, really just just stirring up a well-actually storm. Um, interrupting this, uh, this tale from Fern, much to the chagrin of the rest of the Arthur cast. This was nice. This was quite validating to see everybody else kind of, uh, malign and, and, uh, react to, uh, the brain the way that I always do.
0: Yes, uh, the brain, of course, is incredibly partial to know-it-all-ism and party-pooperism, so he is known among the the Arthur group as consistently ruining stories like the one that Fern was trying to tell. Uh, it was kind of like in a voiceover as we saw an image. Great great image as well at the very end of the now shrunken gorilla putting on his glasses and reading a script. I really like that. Uh, Francine imagined what his version of the three little pigs would be, which is just a factual tale of three pigs who do everything pigs do and nothing interesting happens, <laughs> uh, which I thought to be fair, <laughs> quite accurate. Later in Ratburn's class, uh, Mr. Ratburn is showing everybody a – I want to say worm collection, and he—I think he did use a word, but it's basically like um, a collection of mulch or something mm-hmm. like that. He he, and,
1: like makes the the students guess what's in there. Um, that's right. And there's a really right. funny moment where I, I think Buster <laughs> Buster exclaims a mummified platypus, um, right. and then the the joke ends with it's like rule of three. Someone else says something, and then Binky goes, w- "Is it worms? Is it a bag of worms?" And uh, Mister. Eppert's like, "Correct, Binky. Bonus credit for you." Um, and then someone asked Vicky, how did you know it was worms? And Vicky says, I always guess worms. It had to be right sometime.
0: Bro- a broken clock, etc., etc. Yeah, I really like that too. I wrote that down. Um, so Fern, when she sees this kind of, uh, this mulch and this worm, it's not a colony. That's, that's for bees, but whatever a collection of worms is, um, I'm sure somebody will tell us. Uh, she starts thinking about like, could it like when the worms eat, you know, compost like apple cores and banana peels and stuff like that. They do they get bigger? And yes, they do get a little bigger, but not much. And Fern is wondering if they could get so big that they could take over Elwood City. And of course, Brain never missing a beat to be right about something. Uh, completely shoots her down. So this annoys Fern Mm -hmm. on top of her story being co-opted in the beginning to where she decides to fool Brain for once and what she later refers to as the greatest hoax of all time. And she enlists the help of Binky uh, to get one over on Brain. We're not really sure what it is that she's planning at this point, but it's something involving worms. I know Brain Uh,
1: evidently has never read Dune because he would know that Uh, If Elwood City was on, for instance, the planet Arrakis, uh, there'd be uh, worms bigger than Elwood City and then some.
0: Lucas, I, I I have to disagree. I think Brain is precisely the type of person to have both read Dune <laughs> and to tell you that he's read Dune. And, and 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 now now I say that, but you are also that same type of person. I don't mean to paint you with the same brush. Yeah. But uh, yeah. There's a there's a different type of person who will be very very open about the fact that they have read Dune. I think the fact that you were so open about how how long it was taking you to read dune i think actually was quite brain
1: brain doesn't just read dune brains like i read uh children of dune and god emperor of dune and (laughs) uh dune chapter house and then i read all those books that the guy's son wrote that are terrible apparently um (laughs) and and so yeah brains that dude
0: so fern is enlisting this great hoax with the help of binky they start by buying 800 worms and they go off to their plan. Fern even gets like a ha, which I haven't heard of ha in a very long time.
1: Who would have thought they would just let you buy 800 worms?
0: I know. That's got to be quite the expense as well. Uh, and they're only kids. We see here that they go in under the cover of Night to uh cameo appearance here from Buster's Community Garden, which we would have seen a few seasons ago. So they go to the community garden and lay out the worms. And the next day, Fern asks Buster, who is having spaghetti and meatballs for lunch, if he brought any tomatoes. She would like some tomatoes for her salad. And he says no, because it was actually crawling with worms, like more worms than usual. So Brain doesn't find that suspicious, but the evidence continues to build. Uh, Binky and Fern are creating more and more evidence of giant worms. For example, they make holes in the on the soccer field that they find the next day and of course the kids are quick to jump to like could it be giant worms and brains like "Mm, I don't think so I don't think that's what that is. And then they go By the another step way, when step they're making holes on the soccer yeah. field,
1: uh, Fern and Biggie are both in like full stealth gear. Like I don't know, yeah. They, they, I don't know if they just had these things ready to go, but they're literally like wearing like the black like nightcap, the black sweater, the black pants, and you know they probably got those like black Air Force ones. They're ready to do a home invasion or something. Um, and yeah, apparently like Fern and Biggie just had these matching outfits laying around, or maybe this was bought with you know Access Worm money. Who knows.
0: <laughs> um yeah they're really dressed in cat burglar chic here so they create more evidence for giant worms fern's big thing is that she makes a big worm made up of different fabrics it's like a really long um you know it's a several feet long giant worm that you know from afar could probably fool somebody and binky is making giant worm slime which is apparently made out of a lot of mint jelly binky which... way
1: ahead of the like tiktok trends
0: is there a TikTok trend for mint jelly? No,
1: for slime. The kids love slime. Oh slime.
0: Slime. I was like, what are they doing with mint I, jelly now? Now? I, now
1: I haven't heard about slime in a while. I think it slime has maybe become a little bit passe, but there was yeah. there was a minute there where, where people were were from children to grown adults were seemed very, very uh interested in slime.
0: Yeah, I got to tour a toy factory a couple of years ago, and they were really investing heavily in slime because that was really bit really. <laughs> yeah, that's a funny sentence. Um, but you heard it here yeah, your, your like first, sli-
1: folks. Slime futures are up.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, slime was a really uh, big toy a few years ago. Fern kind of makes this whole scenario where she's asking the brain to take like an author's photo of her for something she wrote. And because the brain is so logical and analytical, he could take the best picture, which he agrees to because he's, he's a, he's a proud, he's a proud boy. No, no, he's not a proud boy. He's a proud man. Excuse me. He's a proud animal, but he's not a proud boy. Well, unless he's voiced by anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> so uh, brain takes a picture and then Fern uh, asks to take a picture of the brain. And just so happens that she, Positions it such that when she takes his picture, the giant worm that she made is in the background, and Brain kind of sees it and goes over to where it was, and that's where Binky has dug the hole and put in the giant worm slime, and they decide that they need to find out more about worms, so they go into the library where they are, but all of the worm books have all been taken out and someone has left behind a note from the National Secret Anti-Worm Squad, which is apparently c- preparing for a giant worm invasion. Mm, and this ah, is enough. The NSAWS. To... The, the Yeah, the saws, the N-saws. <laughs> uh, they are uh, They are getting ready for this invasion. And this is enough to send Brain screaming out of the library because now he's finally bought it. I must admit, this whole process of getting brain to believe in giant worms—I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I, I was all for this.
1: It reminds me of a certain type of guy, where like, if if you know, there's people out there who love to talk about how factual and logical and 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 you know, uh, but if if. There was a post on Reddit about how giant worms were going to take over and like people kept talking about it on Reddit. They they would be postering the city with like, oh, have you heard about the worms
0: posters? Right. Even those among us who profess to have the greatest intelligence uh, have their blind spots. And this one, and Brain's also an eight, uh, an eight or nine year old. So
1: someone's got to make the 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 meme with um, the Wojak where he's like the the girls going like, oh, I love astrology, and then it's like, huh, what what nonsense garbage? And then yeah. like he's like so true at like the stock market or something. Uh, <laughs> we got to make one with with uh, with Brain where I can't know I, I can't tell what he's oh he's like talking gorilla, huh? That's just garbage. So that it's like giant worms so true so
0: true there you go have at it everybody and let us know what it looks like if you can so brain is his brain is so his brain is so addled at this point that he's seeing giant worms everywhere in fact he has a nightmare about giant worms it's actually a little bit uh upsetting to watch <laughs> it's another one of those things where every once in a while arthur can be genuinely kind of creepy and and this is all about like the invasion of the giant worms is happening. There's like a newscaster whose name is Greg Bailey, by the way, who uh, works on Arthur. Uh, newscaster Greg Bailey is talking about how the worms have invaded the studio. And then they cut back to him, and he's covered in slime and the green. He's covered in green slime, and the video cuts out. And it's actually kind of like upsetting. It's a little harrowing. And then Brain's dream ends with him being chased by one by a giant one eyed worm that also has like arms and opposable thumbs yeah it looks really unpleasant to look at it
1: looks like a brown version of the tentacle from like day of the tentacle the point and click adventure game
0: oh sure yeah 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 um and if and if you think about this also reminds me way back in season one brain was really terrified of an old movie called navy versus the Nightworm, and it was it's still that was just a big worm with no arms and thumbs. This is like this. This is horrifying. So brain is uh, incredibly scared of this uh, seeming eventuality, but he decides to take action. In fact, it actually kind of surprised and um, uh, concerned me that brain devises a a militant plan yeah. to stop the worm invasion. He pretty he pretty much gets up an anti worm posse. And, uh, you know, like with like goggles on and he's like wielding a rolling pin and he's getting every- getting everybody to take up arms against this worm invasion, which is where Fern realizes that she may have gone a bit too far.
1: What's funny about this is that, like, it's not just Brain who's been bamboozled. Everybody has now been kind of worked up into a tizzy over this worm invasion, uh, including Binky, who Fern whispers right. aside to. She's like, Binky, you know, this is a hoax. And, he, and Binky says, just because it's a hoax doesn't mean it isn't true.
0: um so their first stop is to go to mr ratburn's uh mulch pile and to destroy the worms which i was like i wonder like in the back of my head i was like i wonder how far they're gonna go with this they're not like gonna kill innocent worms are they like that's i know that like worms are you know quite a lowly species but still i know that you a lot of people would not want to see like worms be killed, even in like an animated uh, form. So uh, they actually go into Mr. Ratburn's office while he's there. They think they kind of see him as his head is covered by the dumpster and they think that the worms are like sucking his blood or something. And they end up attacking and actually hurting Mr. Ratburn off screen.
1: Yeah, you could tell, um, and this is kind of a sad thought, but you could tell this episode is like. Uh, early 2000s as opposed to late 2000s, because they were able to storm the school like armed with weapons, like baseball bats and rolling pins. And I feel like the security uh-huh. in American elementary schools is such now that that would not be possible.
0: I did not think about that, but that's a good point. Finally, Fern has to admit the truth. Um, At just his brain is kind of getting that this might just be a trick. Another great Binky line here is like Fern admits that she made up the story and Binky. Uh, In true shake and bake fashion goes, and I helped. (laughs) Um, And we get the end of this episode and kind of throughout the episode, we've been getting like these worm facts about how they're like good for keeping the planet clean and like they're a necessary part of nature And kind of learning more about them. And that's what Mr. Ratburn ends the episode with. It's like, this is why we need worms to kind of do what they're doing. There's no such thing as giant worms, but this is how they kind of help the soil and uh, perpetuate the the growing and the, the natural process. And it was interesting, but it was also like, oh, huh. This was kind of a backdoor to learn more about worms, wasn't it? Arthur's not really a scientific show. It's True. not like the magic school bus, but it is like a little way to kind of crowbar in some of this information.
1: I mean, this is one of the episodes. This, this is an episode where uh, I I think, is it Mr. Rapper who quotes Carl Sagan at some point? He does. Yeah, the,
0: yeah Carl Sagan. It's um, always interesting when Arthur gets this kind of, um data driven in terms because a lot of arthur as we'll see in the next story it's a lot about a lot of like social lessons and stuff like that Mm -hmm. this is more like literally this is what worms do and why they're good for the environment so not a bad thing just a little bit surprising and we'll get into that second story in just a moment right after this this podcast is supported by listeners like you, and here's how. Over on our social networks, you can follow us and find the latest updates and some fun photos. Facebook.com/slash Elwood City Limits at ECL Podcast on Twitter, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com, and Elwood City Limits on Instagram. You can support us monetarily by going over to Patreon.com/slash Elwood City Limits. If you become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to exclusive audio content like our new. PBS kids show movie reviews and sneak previews of upcoming content. Support us as well by going to slash stores, slash Elwood-City-Limits-Store, or search Elwood City Limits on Teespring. Buy yourself a t-shirt, a tank top, or a hoodie with the Elwood City Limits logo or an exclusive design by our friend Josh. Elwood City Limits is available online at libsyn.com Elwood City Limits, where you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. Is it not on your favorite app? Let us know. And you can always help us by spreading the word, tell your friends, and send Send us a message either on social media or an email, limits at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your continued support. And now let's get back to the show. I owe you one. Me? Well, in a a philosophical sense, I'd say yes, but uh, we're talking about the episode that is called (laughs) I owe you one. Yeah, this one is interesting because it grabbed my
1: attention immediately um, because we have the rare kind of art style change for the opening it's it's subtle but uh, mm. we see all these kind of images of Muffy with like a big strong black outline um, a little bit more uh, this was would have been the cartoon style uh, of many of Arthur's contemporaries at the time you know in, in 2008 2009 things like fairly odd parents a lot of the Butch Hartman shows you know Danny uh-huh. Phantom they had these big black outlines um, and we realize it's different because this is kind of an intro sequence to a show within a show. It's Muffy doing some sort of financial call in, uh, program.
0: Yes. The program's called smart accounting with Muffy. Um, it also reminded me, the style reminded me a little bit of like, do you remember in that episode where DW told the story about BW and there was that opening where she was kind of like paper doll? Yes. And it, And so it reminded me a little bit of that, but yeah. uh, So she's doing a call in show. Uh, She talks to a couple of the, uh, the Arthur kids about ways to uh, like whether to spend money or to save money. And uh, uh, she, (laughs) I like this line from Muffy. Uh, Francine calls in and says, I love your show, Muffy. And she says, thank you. So do I. <laughs> no, this is actually, I want more from this. This this little segment was a really good
1: use of Muffy. Um, Binky calls in as well. And the, the joke is that everybody who calls in always says, I love your show, Muffy. Like, even Binky is apparently a big fan. Um, and he says, hey, Muffy, I love your show. And then asks whether he should spend the money he's just gotten. He's got 20 bucks. Should he spend it on a skateboard or should he save it?
0: Hmm. And, of course, her advice is to save it. Uh, When Francine calls in, she gets into this very thinly-veiled kind of, um, not argument, but she's kind of taking Francine to task for, like, eating her popcorn and some of her smoothie when they went to the movies and how Francine owes her, like, $6.30 or something. And uh, at one point, Francine says, I owe you one. And Muffy says, the four words you should never say— are I owe you one because it never ends up being one? And then she relates this to a story of an Elwood City kid, Buster, who made this same mistake. So the actual episode starts off with Buster in his room playing some kind of alien-based first-person shooter. That's right, Buster. Buster's gaming. Um
1: he's he's in the zone. He's he's clipping heads, he's got his G fuel. Um, and you could tell he's really been been hard on this gaming uh because he says um the game like ends and it's like another game and he's like another game like you need to ask but then he looks at the clock and he's like 4 15 already that can't be right i started at 12
0: yeah i had the same problem i'm going back through the mass effect games again and man i can just uh boy oh boy i can lose hours in that thing so does this mean is buster mlg no
1: i, I mean mlg by its nature means you're a professional gamer I just think Buster's kind of a sicko. I think you know Buster's—he's—he's he's, uh, to use a f- Fortnite parlance—he's cranking nineties. He's—he's you know he's in there gaming. He's—he's he's, uh, uh, looking up meta videos. You know he's a legend on the server, but just just casually, just just in his free time.
0: So you're saying that he just took out Tomato Town?
1: Ex- exactly. I'm saying that Buster just took out Tomato Town. Um, And he's got to check the mark sheets.
0: Got it. Okay. Um, I apologize for speaking out of turn about something I clearly don't know very much about. <laughs> uh, you're right. Buster was tasked by his mother to complete the raking by 5 o'clock when she got back, and it's 4.15. Okay, I have a question about this, but I'll get into this in a second. Uh, so he realizes he can't do it by himself because the backyard is huge. So he calls Arthur and enlists his help. Arthur, who is reading The Bellicose Bathroom by Persimony Glitchit. Okay, here, this is, I was a little confused about this. Why does Buster have to rake the backyard of his apartment? Like, oh. I've, lived in apartment. I've lived in apartments before. You've lived in apartments before. Don't they usually hire people to do that? Like, don't usually the people who work for the apartment do
1: that? This is an interesting, yeah, it's usually, or like your landlord will literally do it. It depends, yeah. right? Because we get a good view of the outside, Oh, that's a really, really good question. I never considered this watching it, but yeah, Buster lives in an apartment. I mean, sometimes you're responsible for directly in front of your house, especially if you have, like, uh, a property. I know in the more kind of dense areas here in the city, if you have a property where you have, like, a little patch, like, not even a lawn, but a little patch on the other side of the sidewalk, and, for instance, like, it snows or something, you are responsible for, like, uh, uh, shoveling, like, your steps or something in some cases— even if you're renting sure um yeah. but in terms of your whole backyard that does sound a little bit unusual
0: well and we see a shot of it and it's like it's the whole backyard for what seems like several units and it's like that can't all be your responsibility I don't know I wonder. maybe there it could be it could more... be that like hmm.
1: the the only scenario i could I could come up with and i, I assume that this is just like a, a writer's error and not actually what's going on but it could be that buster and his mom are like his mom is like the the super or something for the building. So, like, they're Maybe. still renting from another landlord, but um, they get money off the rent for doing certain build, building maintenance or something. I have no idea.
0: Hmm. OK, well, he invites Arthur over and Arthur helps him out in a pinch and uh, manages to uh, get Buster off the hook. Um, in fact, raking is what pretty much everybody else did when Buster is playing marbles with uh, mm. uh, uh, Brain, Muffy, and Francine the next day, and they go around. It's like, "What did you do? Raked you? Raked you? Watch the gardener rake."
1: I um I love this. It's, it's definitely a fall episode. We're, we're really getting a seasonal episode here. Everybody has kind of their yeah. alternative fall yeah. outfits. Some of them are the same as they've always been with a little, like, um, some changes here and there. But everybody's really dressing. Like, I love, like, Buster's got this kind of faux Carhartt jacket on. Um, brain is doing some really good layering where he's got the, the collared shirt under the sweater, under the jacket. Muffy's wearing this awesome, like 1980s, like ski windbreaker with a skirt. Um, and then of course, Francine's got the classic letterman that she's been known to rock in past seasons, but everyone's mm-hmm. dressing. And I, I like the fall outfits. I like the fall colors used throughout this episode. Uh, there's all these leaves in the background. So there's a variety of kind of oranges and browns. Um, it's a, it's a, got a good look.
0: Yeah, absolutely, always. Love the uh, different seasonal fits of the Arthur gang. So Muffy, Francine, and Brain, after hearing about Buster's story about how Arthur helped him rake the leaves, and then Buster eventually goes into like, yeah, Arthur's helped me out like, uh, you know, dozens of times in the past little bit here. And the three teach Buster about interest. So interest in relation to Arthur's favors for him. And they go into a whole explanation with like a pile of leaves and, and basically what interest means this is this is the simplest explanation of interest which can be a complicated fun, fiduciary topic the simplest explanation i've ever heard of
1: yeah it's it's a concept that a lot of kids wouldn't have been introduced to at this point uh, including buster who mistakes interest for the other definition where he goes uh, sure i've lots of interests video yeah. games aliens video games about aliens
0: and so they talk about this and how you know Buster's interest is piling up, and one of these days Arthur can basically collect on that interest, and Buster would owe something, like would owe Arthur like an enormous favor for all the favors that Arthur's done for him. I like the idea here of comparing favors to interest because it's a fall, like it's not a f- it's a false equivalency because what we this whole episode is based around the fact that like Arthur has done a lot of favors for Buster. And the idea is that Arthur is a good friend and, like, doesn't expect to be repaid for these in any sense. And Buster has been unknowingly taking advantage of Arthur's good grace here. And so the kids are comparing it to a financial transaction where if you owe interest, then you eventually have to pay it back. But the idea is it's like that's not a – that's a false equivalency because you're dealing with something that's a lot more – cold and impersonal like money versus something like owing someone a favor which is a lot more ephemeral and based around uh, emotion yeah, as much it's, as, it's, you know... it's
1: non-transactional. They're, they're, non-trans- and, and this yes. even is explained by Binky well, to... Not fully, because Buster misinterprets what Binky's saying, but Binky even tries to explain this concept to Buster in that, like, friendship is non-transactional. That's that's true friendship is is doing something for someone um, out of the kindness of your heart and because you care about the person and not expecting anything in return. Um, Buster apparently has never considered this ever before, uh, and and so when the kids tell him about interest, he assumes that now he's been compounding favors um, right. for all the the many favors that Arthur has done for him.
0: But like I said, I like this because this is a child's understanding of what interest is in this context. I think like there, like there is an incorrect assumption being made and the whole episode is going to be understanding why that's incorrect. So mm-hmm. I actually liked this setup and I was interested to see where it went from here. So like Buster's worst nightmare is that he imagines a scenario, this, by the way, completely unbelievable scenario where Arthur calls in on all the favors that he has done for Buster and, by having buster over to his house and then letting him be forcibly abducted (laughs) by aliens it's like the same brain aliens that we've seen from like the first season yes the one that stole dw snowball exactly and they have such that they have designed a metal sarcophagus yes an iron maiden they're they're, they're, they're
1: going to abduct buster in the iron maiden
0: it's 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 again it's like it's kind of, it's weird and like kind of scary because it's just like Arthur selling out his friend and Buster having no recourse, but to be abducted in this really scary looking contraption. And so that's what, that's what he's afraid of. It was really out of left field. Um, So Buster is trying to get Arthur back for his favors. He's trying to like basically force favors on Arthur. Like he offers to, um, to rake his front lawn but Arthur doesn't really need need that like there's no favors that he needs Buster to do and so Buster realizing this later comes to the realization that he's talking with Binky about it and Binky says oh yeah Arthur owes me for when I let him borrow my hockey stick and then Buster uses I guess a version of the transitive property to to realize it's like okay Arthur owes Binky favors, so by doing favors for Binky, I'll be giving back for Arthur. So he like rakes Binky's front lawn and then offers to do his chores and it, like all in the name of getting back Arthur for all these favors.
1: He he, Buster starts setting a record for raking lawns that he didn't need to. Cause okay, <laughs> let's let's go through all of them. First we he rakes his own uh backyard which apparently now that me and you have discovered he really doesn't need to because that's the landlord's job then he rakes uh arthur's lawn which again arthur never asked for and had no intention of needing buster to rake his his lawn um then he does it for binky to try to make up for the favors he owes arthur and binky informs buster oh my dad always does that that's not one of my chores <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> Um, and then by extension, as we go along here, Buster ends up basically doing favors for everyone under the guise of continuing to help Arthur. Like he's doing stuff for Francine and later he's doing stuff for DW because they are all owed by Arthur. So Buster's basically in, you know, indentured servitude unknowingly to Arthur to the point of exhaustion. Like there, there, there's a part where he's riding his bike and almost like literally swerves it off the sidewalk <laughs> and and ultimately neglecting arthur who is um he's been absorbed with his book this whole time but eventually he's like hey buster do you want to hang out and buster is completely swamped with all the things he feels he has to do and then eventually you know, after two weeks, apparently Arthur gets in touch with him and Buster's like, yeah, I can give you like two hours. Meet me at, f- at four o'clock. Meet me at the movie theater. And then as soon as they get there, Buster gets the text message that another favor is needed. So he's running himself ragged and completely neglecting Arthur, which is he's like a, he's again, like a
1: Grand Theft Auto character everybody's just getting them to do their dirty work for him. And he's just keeps getting phone calls. It's like, I half expect his cousin to ask him to go bowling or something. I was going
0: to say, Buster, my cousin, <laughs> you, you want to go play darts? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Buster on the way to another favor, uh, Arthur catches up with him in the bike because they got all the way to the movie theater. They bought their popcorn and everything. And then Buster had to immediately leave. And Arthur kind of, conf- uh, not confronts him about it, but just asks him what's wrong um and Buster kind of starts to get into his logic of helping Arthur and I think at one point he's just like and uh, by doing all this stuff then I'll uh, then I'll be able to get back to you for all the stuff you've done for me or something I don't even know how if that works <laughs> if that's right anymore and we get an opportunity where Buster actually can directly help Arthur because Arthur accidentally swerves his bike and falls in a puddle thankfully he's not hurt but he's, he's wet, and he's, he's cold, so Buster gives him his jacket, and notices that his, Arthur's bike has lost its tire, so he gives Arthur his bike to use, and then he gets so excited that, like, yes, I finally paid you back, that, like, his bike flops over, and Arthur lands in the puddle again, I thought that was actually a pretty good moment of physical comedy, and this is where we kind of finally get the the real message here, and we, which is what we talked about earlier, is that, like, I didn't do all of these things because I wanted you to owe me. I do these because you're my friend and I want to help you. And Buster promises not to take it uh, so seriously anymore, but also not to take advantage of Arthur's kindness. We actually end the episode with a rare post-Cold Open meta moment. We go back to the framing device of Smart Accounting with Muffy, where she's wrapping up the story about Buster And then Arthur uh, basically breaks into the half of the screen that is reserved for, like, icons and, like, images and stuff like that. And he says to Muffy, like, basically he says, this is my show. Stop stealing my show. And those those kind of, like, hey, this is my show sort of comedic moments are usually saved for the very beginning of an Mm -hmm. Arthur story. Mm. It's rare that they actually get into the main episode.
1: Uh And I wonder, did they do this? Has Muffy ever had the intro before? Like, was there ever, I feel like we've had an intro already where Muffy was delivering it to the camera. But maybe if this is the first time, that's why they've they've pointed it out and have made a little comment on it with with Little Buster. uh, Sorry, rather, a Little Arthur on screen.
0: A Little Arthur just like uh, sticking around. Oh, I'm surprised you remember that. (laughs) <laughs> You'd be surprised if I remember from your life from all oh, these God. years Oh no,
1: that's got me worried.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's the end of that one. So let's talk about them. Uh, two a little bit unusual episodes, certainly in terms of imagery and approach. Uh let's go back to War of the Worms. What did you think of War of the Worms? So
1: I think that it's not like my favorite episode in the world, but I really enjoyed War of the Worms. Um for a couple of reasons. For one, um, it's a very unique episode in terms of character pairing. It's a fun mashup of Fern and Binky, which we've seen before, but it's always really good because it kind of brings the best out of Binky. We get to see Binky's kind of more artful side, usually, or more sensitive side when he's paired with Fern. Except this time it's a little bit different. It's kind of... Uh, the mischievous side that we usually see from B- Binky being brought out from Fern. I like seeing Fern kind of vindictive, um, and and stirring yeah. up trouble. And also, this episode was validating because I got to see the Arthur writers uh, definitely conclusively have the exact same opinion of Brain as I do. In that, <laughs> uh, a character we all really like, Fern, um, is complaining about all the things that I don't like about a character we don't like, which is which is Brain. Um, and so I was into kind of her little scheme to get the better of him and to get him all riled up. Um, and I thought that the framing device of it being about worms and, and the episode kind of secretly not just being about don't be a know it all, but in reality, it's like worm facts, the episode. Uh, I thought that was a fun kind of B plot to the a plot of them trying to like do this trick to to brain so i really enjoyed it for those reasons i like brain as an antagonist and i really like fern as a protagonist so i thought it was it was uh, unique for those reasons
0: I agree um, like I said I was missing out on Fern content on the show and uh, this was a great way to do it um, I think you made a great point about Fern taking on a bit of a different identity of this time as a little bit of the prankster mm-hmm. and I think Fern is a versatile character where you can do uh, different different types of stories with her which is why I'm glad always glad to see her but I guess there is also a value in not seeing her all of the time either way and, and, and it's a Fern and a Binky episode which it, double 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 trouble great stuff loved it a lot of funny lines from binky i really liked the idea like just a fooling like what would you fool brain thinking uh giant worms and then they really go with it and i think they they make the most out of it it's not like a like a top 10 all-time episodes but it's really it was really fun like and i also i distantly appreciated that like in the end it was all about educating kids about worms which is like on its face sounds a little ridiculous but they, I think they spun it in fairly well, and I feel like I learned something, too. So, yeah, I, I, I liked this one. One more thing before I, we move on. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, fur is kind
1: of the perfect
0: foil to Brain in that they're kind of
1: the embodiment of left yes. brain and right brain, right? Like, Brain is, is so kind of... Uh, factual and and obsessed with qualitative and quantitative data. And Fern is so kind of about feeling and and, uh, poetry and and emotions. And so um, they're they're a good kind of juxtaposition. And I hope to see that dynamic uh, uh, used uh, in later episodes.
0: She like she likes Oreos and mystery novels, um, yeah. And then we get to I owe you one, which I also liked. I think that again, what really what really drew me to this one is the fact that it's you're kind of it's it's built on a an idea that's meant to fail, and I like that as a way of educating kids because this is again much more of the type of way in which Arthur tries to impart a lesson, which is it's a social lesson. It's not so much, you know, hard facts about science or math or what have you, but it is kind of learning how to act as a human when you're forming relationships. And it is taking apart the idea that relationships are transactional, because I think when you're young, you know, you learn about how you can owe someone a favor, or I think that there, I went through Hey man, a not just when
1: you're young, some, some
0: adults oh, need to sure. learn this lesson. It's true. Um, or like with me, I think I went through a phase where I like I borrowed stuff from friends a lot. and you have to come to the understanding that like you know, when a friend does a favor for you or lets you borrow something, they're not doing it to expect something from you. Ideally, you would do it because you want your friend to be happy and you would expect to treat for you to treat them with the same kind of respect. And I think this is a really great way because I feel like a lot of times, especially like now, um, but maybe it's just because I'm older. There is a tendency to look at a lot of relationships as transactional. And I, I, and I, and I credit you for, um, for putting transactional, non-transactional into, as descriptors because I think that is really what's going on here. And I think this is a great refutation of that. And it's, and it's especially a good lesson to learn at a young age is that in a relationship with someone, friendship or otherwise, it is about ideally making that person happy and seeing to their needs. And trusting that the other will do the same for you. And Buster kind of learns this lesson uh, in a really interesting way. Um, I thought Buster was – Buster's a good person to learn this lesson and have in this role. I thought some of the 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 design around this episode was interesting. Like I like that video game that Buster was playing. Like you said, it's like a nice fall episode. So it puts my mind ahead to a couple months from now when it isn't like boiling. Um and I think that it ended up pretty well. And I liked the the wraparound of Muffy's segment. So, yeah, I actually I actually like this one quite a bit.
1: Yeah, this one has all the trappings of a really good Arthur episode. We've talked about it already, but um, it's got a nuanced moral um, that isn't totally obvious, but is something that's, you know, good for kids to be engaging with and thinking about. And it does it in a way that's not too after school specially. Like, they never yes. hit you over the head and say, you know, relationships aren't, uh, you, you shouldn't treat your relationships as transactional. They kind of let the viewer come to that conclusion on their own, uh, which yes. is something that it expects a certain level of emotional intelligence from kids, which is what Arthur does best. And it combines that with an episode that's pretty particularly funny. There's lots of good lines from Buster, and there's lots of comedy to be derived from. We get this really kind of extended montage in the the latter third of the episode where uh, Buster is doing all these favors for it seems to be everybody, every kid in Elwood City. Um, And there's lots of fun stuff in there from him trying on dresses for Muffy to polishing uh, Francine's trophies, uh, doing all sorts of things for Binky. Lots of good stuff. Uh, All the stuff you come to expect from whenever they do a gag like that with the whole ensemble. Um, And I agree. I liked the framing device with Muffy. I actually thought it was really funny. I want to see more of Muffy's kind of financial advice show. Hopefully they use it again and they get more into kind of like a mad money thing. I want to see Muffy like smashing... (laughs) Uh, office equipment with a baseball bat telling me that something's going to go to the moon Um, and like I said before when we were talking about the episode I really did like the vibe of this episode it's got a Mm. nice autumn vibe the fall colors um, and I think it comes through kind of in the, um, the backgrounds and the outfits and stuff like that but other more subtle things like the pace, it's got a nice kind of fall pace to it um, mm. I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe, but all those things together, I think, makes this a, a pretty top-notch Arthur episode.
0: Yeah, I'm, I, I'm glad that, that, that we both came, came away positive from, uh, from both of these stories. And that's going to do it for this episode of Elwood City Limits. Now, things are going to be a little bit different over the next month. We're entering into, as we've said many times, our fifth year of the show, which means we have a lot of special programming coming your way. It does mean that we're going to have to interrupt the normal Elwood City limits and for the kids, a PBS Kids podcasts uh, schedules. So I don't want—I want to be careful with how much I reveal here because, mm-hmm. of course, if you're a patron, then you will know a bit of what's to come. But I will say this: we are going to be releasing our summer 2021 schedule. Coming up on Monday, July 26th. I'm actually going going to be taking a week of vacation next week. But I've got everything ready to go and planned out for both our patrons and for everyone on the free feed. So coming up Monday the 26th, we're going to be releasing a free post on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And we'll put it out on the social media as well. And you will be able to see what you can expect If you're a patron and if you're a free feed listener, and we will be very explicit about what you can uh, what you can expect for the coming uh, month or so of programming, I will say this. Coming up next week, which is normally when we would do our for the kids episode, we have a we We're not able to talk about Marvin the Tap Dancing Horse. I know I've, I've uh, watched
1: now Marvin the Tap Dancing Horse. It seems like two weeks ago, and I'm just I'm bristling with thoughts. I know people are are waiting with bated breath to hear what we think of Marvin the Tap Dancing Horse, but they're gonna have to wait a little bit further.
0: Yeah, a little bit further. But I promise, what is coming up in between is going to be great. In fact. There's something coming to the Patreon next week. And this is going to be available to the free feed as well in time. Again, once you read the schedule on our Patreon on Monday, um, it'll become a lot clearer. But I will say, this is the biggest interview that we have had yet on the show, I believe. And you may be able to guess from context clues. But I'll just say that patrons will have it first and then you and the free feed will be able to have it uh, very soon, I promise. Then in two weeks where we would normally have Elwood City Limits, uh, we're going to take, again, another bit of a week off. We're going to have a little bit of a break for the summer, and you're going to get access to something that was available to patrons um, about two months ago now, and now it's going to be on the free feed. It is going to be an edition of ECL Presents, and it's going to be me sitting down, with a fellow named Dave Patman, who also ran the Arthur fan site from the late 90s, Elwood City Downtown Core. And this is go- this is a really great interview. I was so glad to speak to Dave, and I still am talking with him. And I think you're really going to enjoy this if you're interested in learning about what the Arthur fandom was like in the very early years of the show. The Elwood City Downtown Core was the first Arthur fan site that I ever attended, I guess you could say I read their reviews, I looked at their fan art, and I was like 10 or 11 years old. This was the first way that I interacted with a fandom. And in a way, as we talk about in the interview, it kind of led to the development of this show. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. That's going to be coming out Friday, August the 6th in in place of our normal Elwood City Limits episode. And we're going to have even more birthday surprises And uh, cool, cool new audio content and even more than that, that we're not even going to tell you about just yet. We're going to wait a little while. So again, one more time, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits on Monday the 26th. The full schedule from the end of July into the beginning of September is going to come out and you can see what you can get excited for. And, of course, you get early access to everything at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. But it's okay if you're on the free feed. We will take care of you as well. And there's so much more cool stuff to come that we can't even talk about yet. We can't even talk about it. But it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited. This is going to be a cool summer, and it's going to be a great way to ring in five years
1: years. of Elwood City Limits. What's the five-year anniversary? Is that, like, cardboard? Is that the cardboard anniversary, The, the paper anniversary? I have no idea.
0: No, paper's pretty early. Like, I think, I think, I think Jenna and I, uh, it's wood. It's the wood anniversary. Wood anniversary.
1: There's no burn, there's no uh, burn ordinance in effect. We're starting (laughs) campfires this summer with Elwood City Limits.
0: So please look forward to everything. And yes, I, I, it's, it may seem like a while, but we are going to be getting back to Elwood City Limits later on in the summer. And one more time. That uh, schedule will tell you everything you need to know, patron or free feed listener. I will say, the next time we do return to the Elwood City Limits format, we'll be looking out The Blackout, and Maylin Takes a Stand. So we're getting, getting another baby episode. Like, literal baby episode. So we'll have to wait and see for a little bit what it's going to be. But I am so excited for you guys um, to listen to all this cool content that we have coming, and I hope that you will also... Um, be there with us get get hype with us and uh also it's it's it is time for us to take a little bit of a summer break um we've been working really hard to get you this stuff i don't mind telling you and you guys have been so great and we just and and there's
1: still more to come it's the tip of the iceberg
0: there is and we just want to give you what we believe you deserve which is fun and good times so yeah all related to Arthur, of course. All right, my name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Six straight hours of Mary Mookow. I still haven't recovered. That's Elba City Limits. We'll see you next time.